Okay, well, it's Wednesday, and I might be solo today, but we are gonna rock out some content. I am so excited to be here, even if it is by my lonesome. This is Rachel Vote. Uh, my dear, dear friend Anderson is under the weather today, unfortunately, so she will not be participating clearly as I am sitting in a room by myself. I'm wishing her all the light and love and feeling better, and hopefully we will have her next week so we can pick up on having the best sex of your life part three, I believe we're at. So um, maybe part four. I think it's part three though. <laughs> so um, for myself, if you are getting some lovely content from this podcast and you'd like to learn more, make sure to tune in on Instagram, a vote for parties where I am sparingly posting and I'm trying to get much better at that. So just, just some more proof that I'm a human being as well. My story, which I love and I have a lot of fun doing and um, especially like to prove that I'm human there too with a bunch of typos and over on the book of face so you can follow me on my personal page if you want to doing weekly lives not only for content uh for your everyday life but on thursdays we do cooking in tones kitchen which will be back tomorrow which it sounds like we're going to be doing um breaded cauliflower buffalo cauliflower by the way and it's yum so i'm really excited to share that with you guys and uh we've got the beginner's guide to wellness which is taking off 100 free so if you are interested in this personal development th- thing we talk about here and you need a place to grow uh, especially with some space of being about being able to be vulnerable and being fully supported by that, that's a fantastic group. It is 100% free to be a part of it. And I highly recommend it. A lot of women started just as flies on the wall. So if you're not quite ready to share your journey, or you're not even know really where to begin, that's a good place to be for sure. And last, but certainly not least, one of my absolute favorites, if you are looking for a place for feminine energy in support of sexual wellness and intimacy building, please, please, please make sure to let me know and I can get you invited to my VIP lounge. Tomorrow we'll be doing a party right after Cooking in Tone's Kitchen. I'll be jumping on to the VIP lounge to do a uh, party. So if you are in need of some refills, if you're looking for some new stuff, uh, I plan on dropping two brand new demos that um, have only been seen by a few eyeballs and I'm ready to share with the world because girls and ladies and women and partners we're about to take it to the next level when it comes to pleasure. Okay. So you need to be there. All right. And you can tune in for free, by the way. It's not, it's it's, get some content, get some content and get, get some tips on how to bond with your person while you're in uh, the social distancing at home. Okay. So today I'm not going to lie. Today is going to be a cluster, but make sure again, if you get value from it or if it sparks some type of thing in your brain, (laughs) kind of rhyme, but not really, then please make sure to message me because what I'm about to say is going to sound crazy. It's going to sound weird. And like part of me is like, I really want to talk. I've wanted to talk about it for a long time. uh, But I wonder if it will sound crazy and people will just be like, okay, this hippie is too far out there. Uh, But also, I'm just curious if maybe anybody else has these thoughts. I mean, I know people do. Like, it's not like you don't question the universe and stuff like that. But a lot of people I find, you know, have grown up in an environment of some kind that provided them with the opportunity to explore these things or feel like they were provided answers. And I did not. I grew up in a household where my mother, by the age of like third grade, whatever that is, I don't even remember, right? But um, handed me a, a, a huge like, Oh, God, I can't even, I would say minimum, it was like six inches thick. I just came across it the other day. This is so crazy funny. I think my son has it. I think I gave it to him. It's called The Big Book of Tell Me Why. And I was kind of surprised that she got me the book. I'm like, what is this for? And she was like, so you'll stop asking why. 
So I, I, that was a moment of shame for me. Like to be curious, all of a sudden it was like that. That's a bad thing. Like I was bothering her. Um, and I don't, I don't think that I really realized on the subconscious level what it really planted the seed for me was. Um, you should already know. Like you ask too many questions. You should already know the answer. And that I carried especially into my career. Like I always felt very insecure if I didn't know what I was supposed to do, even though I was supposed to be in the job training portion of a job for crying out loud. So if you if you if you can catch some feelings from that, okay, we are like soul sisters real quick. So um I, I truly believe that is one of the biggest things that's held me back in my career is that I always wanted to make sure I gave off this persona that I knew exactly what I was doing. Um and that goes into imposter syndrome as well. But how could I be taken seriously if I didn't know what I was doing? So I just need you to hear that in case that that resonates with you on some sort of level um, in any walk of life, if it's your personal world and relationships, or if this is where you self-sabotage for money or whatever. But for me, it all ties together and it goes into some thoughts that I've been having about like the history of where we're at. So I, um, I, I have zero formal knowledge about religion, okay? Everything that I know I'm self-taught, which is in full transparency, a lot of Google searching, all right? I don't think that I'm necessarily doing wrong by finding out, you know, stuff on the internet when it comes to religion. But I I believe, again, that sense of insecurity that other people won't feel like they can have a just conversation about relation, or religion because I don't have any formal schooling in it. But to me, that's just... That's, again, it's about experience, right? Like, I don't have to have lived through the Catholic Church or the Christian Church to understand what their philosophies are. And that's what's most important, right? Like, I don't have a desire to join their church. And, I, and I'm and i always open, of course, to and now, I should say, not of course, but I am open to learning about what their thought processes are. More out of curiosity in terms of trying to determine how many congruencies do you have from religion to religion? So I don't have any of that formal schooling. And that's kind of why I feel like um, people are going to think you're crazy for talking about this. Or like, does she even sound like she logically can form an actual thought? Like this is just out there. So let's roll with it and see where it goes. So with no formal religion, when I talk about like um, knowledge of like the biblical sense, like I know of a God and I know of Jesus, I know of Noah and the ark, I know of Adam and Eve, and that's about all. That's about it. That is really about it. Like I, if you threw some names out there, I'd be like, oh yeah, I've heard of that or I've heard of that instance or I heard of that experience or whatever, but I got nothing. I couldn't quote you a Bible, Bible verse. I couldn't tell you the difference between anything of who is who and what is what. Um, but again, sometimes I, I've, I feel grateful for that because it leaves me in this open space of now as an adult learning what my perceptions are about religion. You know, if somebody would have planted those seeds for me as a child, then I would have grown up believing what they be- they believed. And even with an extremely open, you know, uh, idea from parents, teachers, pastors, whomever is your influential source, right? There's always that thing, that word, the influence. It. Uh, I try my best to be as, mm, I don't want to say, the, that's not the word, bias is not the word I'm looking for. I try to be as 
in, less influential when I talk to my kids about thoughts and beliefs as I can be, or I reiterate time and time again, this is my opinion, this is my, this is my thought on it, this is why I think the way I think, but there are other people out there that have different points of view, and it doesn't mean they're wrong, it just means that they're different. And that's so crucial to me as a parent because my, my parents did not give me that. And I'm not saying that my parents planted really incredibly negative seeds, thankfully, I'm really grateful, but there's definitely things that I am undoing now in my adult years. So to not have those set in stone belief systems for spirituality, faith, and uh, religion, I think sometimes I'm I'm more grateful for that because I have been literally able to cultivate what my ideas and beliefs are from scratch. And the the coolest thing about any of that, all of it, is that it's ever evolving for me. And I think that I have so much more fluidity than some other people because I don't have a place to land yet. I haven't cemented my stone, like my, my feet are not rooted into an idea. And with spirituality, that's like the, the best place I think that you can have that ability, right, to be more fluid. That's my opinion. I mean, I guess you could probably argue that you could have that in just about anything too, but that's me. Okay. So what I was thinking about the other day that led to this weird conversation okay was that you know when you look at things like animals which a lot of people know I'm a huge animal lover I have a degree in veterinary technology that I do not use at all all right that stems from being a a lover of animals for all my life I can remember when I got a tv in my bedroom so sad. Uh, third grade also weird that we said that earlier, right? Um, but it was this tiny little TV. And I even remember in my Lisa Frank diary. Oh my gosh. Y'all remember Lisa Frank? That woman was on fire. So in my Lisa Frank diary that you could unfortunately open not only with the keys, but just like a shish kebab lock thing or a shish kebab stick, you could unlock my diary with it straight up from the kitchen. It's terrible. Um, so I was reading it back one time in my later years, and it was like, sup, diary. <laughs> yep, that's how I talked to my diary. Um, I don't even know if it was like a conversation. Like, I don't, how was your weekend? I don't even know. But it was definitely something that it was like Sunday night, and I was watching National Geographic because I recorded it in my diary. And that was one of my favorite things to do on Sunday nights was to watch whatever animal special they had. So I have for years been obsessed with – learning or just knowing about other animals. I think that just this whole, I mean, it started with like cuteness and cuddly and wanting to hold and have all the things. Right. And now in personal development, it's, it's, it's different. It's different because not only do you know, you go to the zoo, which is one of my favorite things to do is to go to the zoo, you know, and you get to see these animals up close that you shouldn't be able to see as a human. Um, And then you go home to your cats and your dogs and your domesticated animals. And at least for me in personal development, it's got my mind thinking, right? Because we know that our domesticated animals of cats and dogs have originated from wild. Like there are still wild dogs. There are wolves, but there's actual packs of dogs. There's dog type animals like hyenas. There's big cats. There's small cats. There's cervicals. There's lions. There's tigers, you know, all uh, cervicals. I think is what I said cervical, which is more of your pelvic health region, Rachel. Okay, Sarah My kid would have laughed his butt off if he would have heard that. So anyway, there's different types of wild cats as well. So everything is descended from the wild, right? So somehow, some way, humans were able to domesticate a handful of these things. And some of them, you could, you could argue, like, really, like, should they be domesticated, right? Like, guinea pigs, are they really even any fun? Okay, is a pet rat even fun? Yeah, because here's the thing, is that 
when you have cats and dogs, I think that dogs are probably, I would have to look it up because this is not a fact right off the top of my head, are the probably the oldest domesticated animal because they are the ones that are the most close to conscious mind the way humans are. Okay, does that make sense? Because like when we talk about humans, and I've, I've, I've said this on podcasts before, that there's those three state of minds of people where you have awake, asleep, and aware. And awake is... Uh, Dalai Lama status, it's Mother Teresa status, it's Deepak Chopra status. It's like you are, you're in awareness all the time. Like you live in a state of bliss because you know what matters, you know what doesn't matter, you know that everything is matter. Like that is, that's, that's enlightenment is what they call it, right? And most people don't ever make it to that level, but they could get into shades. Maybe you live in days or hours or weeks in that state, but um, it's, it's not, it's not the majority of humans that get there. It's, it's, it's a great place to strive for though. And then your middle section is your awareness because then at the bottom section or however you want to graft it is you're asleep and majority of the human population lives in sleep mode right these are people that you don't ever realize that personal development's an opportunity like you might be stressed you might be anxious you might be suffering from mental health your entire life but you just think that that's the way that it is you think you think that you know you'll whatever your your thought process is you might think that just treating this with talk therapy and medication is sufficient for you which is absolutely a step uh, you might think that not treating any of it is because everybody goes through it or this is just like normal for you so whatever you'll never address it it doesn't matter what it is that's that's partially asleep and it's not meant to be offensive if if you feel like you know you're somebody that suffers from anxiety and depression I've been asleep and I was asleep until I was I started started waking up later in my 20s but it definitely didn't hit me hit me till my 30s so it's not an insult. It's not an insult to say that you're asleep and you should know that because majority of humans are there. But if you've ever felt discord in your soul, if you've ever felt discord in any five area of your life, that's why is because something within you is saying something don't feel right. And it, it could be very minuscule to something large in your life. So if you've ever felt discord, that's what that is. And that's just permission to say whatever you've known up until now doesn't have to be the way that your life is, just so you know. And anything, in your wealth, in your relationships, and your mental and physical well-being, you can change your mind. But a lot of us are never given that permission because what we grow up with or what we see, mostly from par- parental influences, your parents, your dad, your mom, your grandparents, whoever primarily your aunt or uncles, whoever took care of you primarily is going to be your largest source of influence. And for me, I had biological parents, but I also had TV because that's what was the thing I was placed in front of before kindergarten. Um, And my mom was doing the same thing in the living room watching soap operas. And I never fault my mom because she, again, did the best she could with what she knew. Y'all hear that come from my mouth a lot, right? But that's how my brain was formed and shaped to believe that humans behaved. Not about sitting in front of a TV, but things that I saw on on TV, okay? So that's being asleep, all right? And to be aware is the most uncomfortable place to live, especially when you're shading in from being asleep to becoming aware. Because what happens is you become aware is light bulb moments start to happen. It's not necessarily that you're on the path to enlightenment, especially for the first couple of years. You are in a state of fighting yourself every single day to not fall asleep again. You don't even know that's what you're doing in the very beginning. That is where quarter life crisis has happened. This is where you shake a lot of stuff up. All of a sudden you might quit your job. You might call off a relationship. You might jump into a relationship. You might go crazy spending. You might start frugally saving. Um, Something in your life kind of jump starts this reaction. And it can be even like your health. You could be diagnosed with cancer. Uh, You could be given 
any kind of diagnosis, it doesn't matter what it is, something large shakes up your world. And that is where potential brews in terms of deciding, not deciding, uh, discovering, I should say, are you becoming aware? Are you staying asleep? And uh, it, it's okay if you if you if you're all of a sudden having this. Oh, I, I've felt something like that before. I felt something like that before. You've been there, and if you've slipped back into being asleep, never be ashamed of that because it takes a lot of pull to get that momentum to be awake enough or aware enough to 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 realize what the state of being asleep is. So never beat yourself up about it and definitely keep trying, okay? So when you're in the state of awareness, this is, again, this is the long process of making the decision every single day, every single day about what am I going to do? Am I going to move closer to making new habits and forming new goals? Or am I going to go back to what I know, which is to be comfortable? It's to be comfortable in the sleep mode. It's to believe everything I was ever told by somebody else because I didn't have to exert any energy to form my own ideas. Okay, that's what it's about. Okay, now in that awareness, it will get easier with time, but you'll be doing so much more crying than you've ever done in your life because a lot of it is the realization that you're the one that's been holding yourself back. Uh, that's a lot of deep, deep, deep sorting through emotions and recognizing the difference between feeling and emoting uh, and knowing they're very similar, but they're incredibly different. And you need to be adding tools to the tool belt each and every single day, quarter, year, whatever, that allow for you to become equipped to handle this kind of stuff. And that comes through talk therapy. That And it, it needs to be the right therapist, all right? You need to be seeing a therapist who is aware of awareness, all right? I had never been to a therapist until mine that never told me what awareness was, but she could see as I was coming closer to it that she was like giving me the yes, this is good, like really focus on this, do do some more experiences with this kind of thing. Um, and so it gets easier in the awareness. The only thing is that you just have to actively want to be a part of it. You want to actively recognize when a positive change has positively infect, affected you because those are those foundational stepping stones that you will be you'll be able to stack up for confidence that allows you to get through your next pandemic, your next crisis, your next growth, whatever it is, especially when it gets tough, because then you'll look back to the foundational settings and be like, well, this one time I did this, the second time I did this, the third time I did it. So I know I can survive it. It's just, it's actually maneuvering through it because you can't go around it. You can't bury that thing. You're going to have to go around it. So those, those blocks will start, they'll start connecting. Okay. And when you can live in a state of awareness more, it's really powerful because then you'll start to really dissect the subconscious and the conscious mind. And this is where I really start to get hippie, okay? Because what I've talked about in previous podcasts before is that animals, I mean, humans are the only species that we know of that have conscious mind, okay? We're the only species that does more than what we're evolutionarily like meant to do, okay? Evolutionarily speaking, any living species is meant to be born, to procreate, to procreate, to procreate, to procreate and die. Like that's what we're meant to do. And we survive through that by hunting and gathering and finding shelter and, you know, living in packs if we're part of that type of species or whatever. But that's what we're meant to do. And trees do the same thing because they're living, right? Grass does the same thing. Flowers do the same thing. Everything runs on that cycle. Now, humans are the only ones that have, have, 
done something different to to become conscious right like we we still do the reproduction but some of us choose not to some of us physically can't some of us it's not our primary goal in life and that's the difference is that for us we have made other goals of making money or building skyscrapers or doing odd things like that that have nothing to do with our primary purpose on earth so we are the only species that has that ability to be conscious and that that has always just intrigued the crap out of me because you have all of these other species out there, uh, some of them larger, some of them stronger, uh, but what what separates us from them? And it's that conscious mind. And how did we get there and how did they not? And when you think about domesticated animals, right, you think about the fact that cats and dogs and anything that you can keep in a cage or keep in your house or keep in a yard or keep on a leash, these are the only animals that outside of captivity – well, outside of nature, I should say, because animals in captivity in zoos, you'll see, get fat, have anxiety, right? Y'all know I got myself a chawini and this little thing will shake all the time, even if he is not cold. It's just his anxious mood. And that's that's a breed type. That's a breed type that we now know that uh, certain animals are going to be, or certain dogs are going to be more high anxiety, right? They're still wild creatures down at their bloodline, but we've domesticated them so much to the fact that they can eat to be bored instead of listening to their bodies and self-regulating like they do in nature. Our animals get fat. They get fat. They get sick. They get cancer. And it's not to say that animals in uh, nature don't necessarily have ailments, but we don't even know what they have. We don't know if they develop those kinds of things, but um, it's definitely not from their diet source, right? So we do things to our domesticated animals to try to make them more domesticated. We do these things. We put them in clothing, right? We have them perform. Uh, there's there's absolutely dogs and cats and birds that, you know, perform in movies and they're, they're known for that kind of thing. We, we throw them onto trampolines and they love it. It's a blast. They ride skateboards. We try to domesticate our wild animals more so than we've ever had before. So it, it, it's amazing to me that like we haven't, we haven't seen another species that does this. You know, I would say arguably that obviously the ape species is probably the closest because they do similar things to humans, but never to the degree that we do, but it's still, it's still close, right? But why haven't they made it there? And there's a lot of different things out there that talk about like potential of how we became the way that we are. And you can do your own research. But the thing that I have seen as a reoccurring theme for me is that theoretically, all right, so humans have been around for like two, 26 million years ago. This is when humans became what we know as humans, right? Like there, we, we did evolve from an ape-like structure that's DNA that proves that. And we moved into like caveman status, right? But cavemen are not the same as conscious man today. Those are two different things. And so while humans have been around for 26 million years, the conscious species of homo sapiens have only been roughly around for 200,000 to 300,000, depending on what your source is. So it's still quite a bit shorter period of time in the grand scheme of mankind. So what happened in that time frame that allowed for us to go from a, not only a more evolved species, like physiologically, you're like, right, our teeth shifted, our jaws shifted, our brains got bigger, our skulls got smaller, our bodies got thinner, uh, they got leaner as well. And then we evolved into a conscious mind. We evolved into a conscious mind. So all of a sudden we went from doing the things that animals do, which is living their life. They do what they're evolutionarily meant to do, right? They eat, drink, 
they reproduce, they execute their bowels, like they do what they're, and they do it whenever, right? Like we get an urge and we tell our body, not right now, you're going to have to wait. We in public, you're going to have to wait till I get home to the safety of my house. But animals are going to do it wherever they want, except for the ones that we've domesticated and trained to go outside, right? Do you see a lot of correlation here of what I'm talking about in terms of breaking through the conscious mind to realize the difference between that and the subconscious and how unbelievably powerful they both are? Because in animal world, it's been running them since the dawn of time. And for humans, we now have two types of brains in one, one that tries to like run us evolutionarily speaking, and the other one that fights that every single day and just is like, no, 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 I want to be present. I have more authority here. I'm going to say what's going on, and I'm going to make sure that your life is completely different than anything else that's ever been before in terms of humans, homo sapiens versus animals in, in, in nature versus wild, right? So my gosh, we, we got to a place where we now have conscious mind. And how did that happen? How did that happen? There's a lot of theories, of course, out there, and I don't know which one is true, but I do have one that kind of resonates with me in terms of where I've come from, from the diet aspect and change in my life to um, all this other personal development stuff. So I'll share you share with you what my theory is. And again, I just implore you to do your own research. And uh, even just to, to come to me and say like, hey, I, I heard what you said and here's what my theory is because I, there's no way that I can say that my theory is 100% accurate. It was in, inspired by hearing other people's research and things like that. But I have no background in this kind of thing. So I'm winging it, just trying to sort out all these crazy thoughts that I have had through personal development, through being more aware, through the realization of that subconscious mind versus conscious mind and trying to let them two merge together and understand them. So nothing I say is factual. It's all it's all opinion based, but I do have a lot of curiosity and I'm wondering if other people as well. So if you can resonate with this or you're curious to have a more conversation, like I said, I'm encouraging you to reach out to me so we can talk about it. So let's let's talk about it. When I started to like research and look into, let's say nutrition more when that was my focus is focus of health and wellness of making a lifestyle change decision. Like when, when I knew that weight release was going to stick for me was when I got into the belly of the beast with not just like the simple, simple thought of eat less, move your body, lose weight. Like everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. So if, if I've done it through uh, a program, if I've done it through weight loss surgery, if I've done it through fad dieting, whatever your vehicle was and it was not successful, in my heart of hearts, the reason I, I feel like it's sticking this time and I'm I'm happy with where I'm at right now. Um, I would be cool to lose 15 more pounds because then I would be at the 100 pound mark, which would be pretty darn cool. But I'm so comfortable in my skin right now that I don't get on the scale, but but once a week just to make sure that I'm staying with like in a 10 pound place because then when I start to creep up, it's not about freaking out and getting to like, oh my gosh, I'm getting back up to 250. You're potentially going to get there. It's like, no, now you're just like slacking off a little bit and you need to fine tune your focus and remember that you're not going full vegan or vegetarianism right now. Like you're still doing the baby steps and that's how it's sticking. Uh, And that's what's working for me. All right. So the reason that is, is because on top of the eat less, move your body, which is just the basics, you know, you have to delve into what am I eating? And I've said this before that for me, you know, I, I was raised on ramen noodles and SpaghettiOs and full, full cooked dinners by my mother. 
Um, I remember having like a full soft break baked pretzel like after school and I was usually allowed to have a pop a day. So, you know, it's like while you know, like you hear like, oh, have more water, less pop or whatever, have less sugar, all of the things when you're already when they're already in your diet, it's. It's like a bigger picture to tune into the emotion behind the eating. Like, is it, it's because what I discovered for myself is that it was like any other drug. It was like any other addiction that I, I was attached to the feeling it gave me. And it seems so silly to say that because it's like, oh, you mean, you don't really get like a euphoric high from eating? Well, I mean, I, I beg to differ that at some point somebody – uh, it, listening to this podcast can relate to like eating something and closing your eyes and making an audible noise, right? Like that's, that is still a level of, uh, elevation, even though it's not from a drug. I mean, you can say that sugar is a drug, I guess. Too many tangents, too many tangents, tune it back. Let's get back to where we were. Okay. So, uh, for me, it was discovering the emotional connection to, changing my state of mind. Like if I was upset, like I could literally put sugar in my body, which gets into my bloodstream, which changes the chemistry in my energy. Like it's, it's false energy, but it's energy. And more importantly, it was like a state of fullness, like physically changing my state. Like if I couldn't get my mental state to change, I could literally stuff my belly until I was in aches and pains, right? So I was changing the state. And then that goes even deeper because I talk a lot about how when I was growing up, there was a strong mentality that you finished what you ate, right? So like I would still in my late 20s eat every single meal until I was miserable because that was the association I had to eating as a child. And none of that plays into account. Like, you know, like when I would do a a program, you know, they would say, pay attention to your fullness, you know, take breaks, uh, you know, don't drink water during your meals or whatever. Take a break by putting your fork down next to your plate. Like you hear all that stuff, but it's like, those are just new behaviors you're trying to tell me to do. And if I don't understand why I'm doing it to begin with, potentially, I don't know that I'll be able to fix it. I don't know if I'll be able to rewire it for myself. So it was the combination of everything, like getting to the the legit nutritional value of what I'm putting into my body. And this is not an argument, like or like a, like an argument case for me saying don't eat meat. I I truly in my heart think that everybody else should everybody should discover which lifestyle works best for them, which lifestyle works best for them. And for me, I feel more connected to vegetarianism and veganism. And it's not about a political aspect um, at all. I've been a meat eater for years. I'm still a meat eater right now because I am gradually weaning myself off and trying to find whole food plant-based meals that I like, all right? But I think that the closest for me when I was sifting through the the decision of what to do, it was was definitely more of... um, like a loose keto diet where it was just really just less carbs and a more balanced diet really because um, I'm not too much into the high fat. Um, and I, I do like carbs, so that's definitely been a downfall. But anyway, it came down to like the, the most similar argument I could see between these two diets being, you know, right now kind of the mainstream fad diets, but not really because keto has been around in several different variations for years like Atkins and South Beach and Mediterranean, they're all like, they're all branches of each other. And then, you know, you have this quote unquote other extreme, which is the vegetarian and veganism, where 
you know, you're no animal products whatsoever. You, you, it's not, it doesn't even have to be a belief system per se about like an ethics. It, I think that, uh, it can just be a discovery that I determined fits best for me. And the, the reason I say that is because like <clears throat> the argument is that you get your nutrients in your food as close as it is to the source, right? So if you're eating plants, it makes sense that they're incredibly healthy for you because there's no artificial preservatives, depending on how they're grown, what they're treated with, of course, but it's the closest thing to its source. It's got nothing in it that's going to be, I mean, aside from allergies, of course, it's it's nutritionally empty is what I'm trying to get to, right? And animals are that way too, because they are purist, you know, at their source, but they also ingest other food and depending on how that source is that that would be my argument in terms of uh, factory farming is a thing and I think that that needs to be recognized if you're going to choose to be a meat eater which is perfectly fine with Rachel then I would just hope that you would start searching your farmers markets and your local butchers and things that are closer to your community as well as closer to the source when you get larger scale uh, in terms of corporations housing your food and being only like four, one of four large competitors, you know, things get messier, demand is higher. So that's where you get, in, in, in my opinion, less healthy food. So the closer it is, the less time it takes to get to your plate, then the less it's going to need to have added to it to stay fresh and so on and so forth. And I know that sounds like a basic concept, but when you back it up and think about that, that's the difference it could make in how you fuel your body, like on a level fuel your body it's important so dig at all of the areas if you really truly feel like you're struggling to get it to stick and um so again back to what i was saying in terms of when it came down to the low carb keto fashion versus like the vegetarian veganism i you can you can, <laughs> you can watch the documentary if you want you can say oh my gosh that's where you get your information from but yes it's other people's experiences i understand that any medical document research whatever findings that come out can always be counteracted by the other side and that's true of any anything in science so it came down to like animals being the closest to the source that they are plants also being the closest to the source that they are animals theoretically eat plants right the animals that we eat eat plants so they're getting all of that nutrient that they need from the plant which is the source we're talking about in terms of being a vegetarian well specifically a vegan uh or plant whole food plant-based right so it's like the animal version diet of that you still get everything that you get from the plant but through a recycled source so you don't get all of the super great nutrients you would get as eating it directly from the source and this is again where the conclusion I've drawn to uh, and then there's also added information from that source that you, we, you don't necessarily need like you know fats and um, things like that and again this is just where I land and what I feel fuels my body the best so the theory became there and this is of course one of millions i'm sure is that when when humans switch to eating meat that there is this one particular portion of it which is the heme uh that they believe could have potentially activated consciousness okay we're getting in a rabbit hole we're getting we're gonna go die are, are you holding on tight because here we go all right so 
that's one theory that he might have uh, switched on the conscious mind. And I do want to add, by the way, that as I was going through my journey, one of uh, my dear, dear client friends uh, had recently added to me, added to my uh, repertoire of tools was, did you ever think about the fact that humans are the only ones that when eating meat need to have it cooked? And I was like, oh my God, mind blown. Um, So again, just, that was just another thing to add to my validation. And uh, it's not to say that humans at some point maybe didn't didn't or did need to eat meat, I would say, but um, there's also, you know, the shape of the jaw has changed and the teeth have changed. So again, it's again where I go to in terms of a conclusion, right? So when we became meat eaters, maybe we became conscious. That's just what I'm saying, okay? And um, I'm wondering if here's the deeper rabbit hole is if you tie in your biblical stories right and um, as I've discussed previously which I hope to see a a healthy conversation about whether or not it can be argued that a biblical story is just a story about, about a story about a story about a story told by somebody else and their perspective gets added in as they add in their details and so on and so forth we become storytellers okay so one story in particular with Adam and Eve is to say that they were a couple who were in the Garden of Eden, right? Um, that were told that everything is great here. Stay here. It's fantastic here. You see that thing. Don't don't you dare eat it because your life will change in crazy measures that you I can't even explain to you, right? And somehow through temptation, and this is, again, my interpretation of what I know, okay? Eve was the temptress that said, it's cool, let's do this. And eventually they both caved and they lost their access to heaven on earth. And does that not particularly sound like consciousness maybe? Like that was that's where the division happened. And all of a sudden we became wake beings because then we we're aware of our bodies and you know, shame builds in and that's new. That's new. That's never been a part of consciousness before. Uh, and, and that's the emotion change from going from having an emotion to a feeling about it because that's a description of the emotion. So where I go on, I'll pull you back out of the rabbit hole now. Is like where I go from the beginning is where I was saying that, you know, what if it was that... <clears throat> women were on top, you know, as, as the bearer of babies, as the human who has the ability to reproduce life in every other aspect of the animal kingdom, which we were at some point before we considered ourselves the wise ones, right? Majority of the time, it is the male energy of that species that attracts the female, that needs to impress the female. And then we are the ones that carry on the name. And I know that's not 100% exclusive and there's a lot of variations to that, but it's also through evolution. Like you see that in primates as in some some particular types of primates, it is a female-led colony, but then in others there is the male-dominated, but majority of the time it's still female. So what is it about them? Is it that that, that particular species of primate is edging closer to their own consciousness because now it is the male energy that runs that that <laughs> this is like this is so like conspiracy theory. Just shut it off. Just shut it off. Okay, I'm just saying. Like it just seems to me that um 
I, I don't think that it was intentional. I'm not, this is not a meal bashing thing. I'm thinking, I just think that maybe as more masculine energy became the more prominent instead of there having a balance in between is where we, you know, we need to correct a little bit. And when you talk about people being enlightened, you talk about people being transparent. You talk about people being vulnerable. You talk about people being respectful of everything on planet earth. And those are traits that are easily described in women that, that maybe they're just a lower light until we discover that. And you don't often hear even as much that about women in that, that, that light as Deepak Chopra versus Mother Teresa. But then you have Mahatma Gandhi and you have Nelson Mandela. But where are all the other women that are that prominent for us to talk about and know today? So... I think that it's just incredibly important that, that that would be another driving force and factor for you to want to get into your personal development is because uh, I'm not saying you got to be, become a vegan, but what if you just become an enlightened person who discovers who they're meant to be and all the untapped power that lives within you? And once you live in that state of flow, as they call it, then you wake up to forgetting about the financial freedom like the money now all of a sudden doesn't even matter like you're like yeah okay that's crazy I'm not saying that I won't utilize money to make my life easier and more efficient and more fulfilling but it's not a driving force and it used to be out of mostly scarcity a fear of scarcity like that I needed to be security is what it was not for options and for for fulfillment but when you get past that physical stuff of what you thought mattered for your your uh, momentum for your inspiration to your momentum, then it gets to this this level of this feeling like this clarity, this mental freedom. That's the difference. Is that you know um, I've had a few people message me during this particular time in history and ask just like how are you just being so positive and um is it really like it, that all the time and I feel like you know part of my outlet like using this podcast is that no of course it's not going to be 100% perfect all the time but the difference in who I am in this crisis which is global versus when it was a personal situation is it's crazy because as something that's affecting the entire world, I would have thought that I probably would have been in in a regressive state of overindulgence and not paying attention to anything in my life that was bettering me and going back to um, just living by the TV screen kind of lifestyle. And that's this is the first time that I feel like I am equipped with enough tools that I might not know the answer, but I can sure as heck guess that I can find the answer from some place, especially this expansive library of knowledge that you have at your fingertips. And I'm sure what you're listening to on on this device right now, right? That's number one. And then make sure that you fact check and it's accurate, number two. But there's so many people willing to give their time and space right now because that's what other people need. And there's so many people who are on the enlightened path that believe in the law of reciprocity. So they are out there just giving, 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 giving because they know that you need to hear something. They know that at some point in their life when they were falling apart that somebody else said, hey, I've been in your shoes and I know that you've seen me and you've seen what I'm doing. So you got to believe me when I say it's going to get better. And you got to believe me when I say that if you if you just buckle down 
and don't allow yourself to fall backwards, even if you just only get to cling on to maintaining, then you will come out of this bigger, faster, stronger, better. And then the next time around, you're gonna you're gonna feel prepared because your intuition is gonna get better. Instead of sticking your head in the sand, which is a classic Rachel move, 2018 and below, uh, you're going to you're gonna feel the calm before the storm, and you're gonna connect with other people who feel the calm before the storm. And it's not gonna be about panic. It's not gonna be about pull all your stocks and you know make sure that your pantry is overstuffed because you know that it has to go back to a balance at some point. And if you panic, it only sets everybody else's emotions off in panic, including the little people in your lives that are watching. And I know that it's hard. It's hard because sometimes you feel like, does this mean that I just have to hold it in and fake it? And absolutely not. You do not do that. You do not do that. But you search for tools and you search for resources and you search for people that will give you additional resources and additional tools and additional experiences to know that you can do it. You can do it. And it's just a matter of doing a little bit of shifting and it's worth it it's worth it but it's hard like we talked about it's going to be an emotional break every single day (laughs) it feels like it feels like you're crying all the time but uh, crying is healing in my opinion and then you'll start to see the shift happen where you'll be crying tears you'll be crying tears of gratitude and joy more than sadness and fear and um those are the those are the good tears those are the good tears so so that's what I, I'm just curious. Um, you know, it takes, it takes, it takes a lot to go down those rabbit holes, but those are the, those are the journeys that you get to look forward to, in my opinion. You know, right now, a lot of people are wrapped up in their heads, like you're overthinking, you're over questioning, uh, and you're just in our favorite phrase, paralysis through analysis, right? Uh, but if you let go of that and you just like welcome in like the possibilities, like what if you just instead of, you know, panicked and thought about like, what are things I have to get done right now and came from that motivation instead of what are things I can do that I want to do uh, that will get me to where I want to be. And that's a, that's a, that's an infinite place to live, which is beautiful. Instead of feeling like you're locked into this one frame of mind and where you're at know that that's not true at all. That's not true at all. You can find success stories in all walks of life and all age ranges and all decades and all centuries. And uh, you, you have the ability to learn from the best that aren't around anymore. And uh, that's, that's one of the amazing things about being a human. That's the conscious thing that you, you can use that to your, your advantage for sure. So uh, get uh, in touch with your emotional universe, hippie, Christian, whatever side it takes to get there, right? And um, tap into it. Make sure you record your experiences, in my opinion, because you'll be able to see your growth and you'll be able to share these with other people. And they're going to resonate. And maybe my story is not uh, at all where you could be yet or think that it is, but I encourage for you to find somebody that does inspire you to get to your next level because... It is so good. It's freeing. So if you got value from this bizarro podcast uh, and feel like it was something that could open up your heart and your mind a little bit to digging deeper about where you want to believe that you come from and where you're going, make sure to share it with somebody. Uh, This is just a tiny little podcast in the Midwest. Uh, Eventually, you know, I'd like to see where it goes and who else it could reach out to. And it's 100% free. And if you share, it just makes you beautiful. That's what I heard from an online mentor at one point. So we wish Anderson to feel the absolute best and welcome her back as soon as she can get here. You can find her, by the way. I should have just absolutely plugged her at the beginning. How bashful of me. Uh, she has a fantastic Facebook group. What is Boudoir? 
photos with Anderson. Uh, and she also has her just photos with Anderson page, which is fantastic. And <laughs> has some of my wedding photos, which I love to see. So go ahead and go give her a like. And of course, find her to friend request her as she needs some friends during quarantine, as she often would say. It's either boudoir. It's boudoir photos with Anderson. I should have my computer pulled up. Well, we'll find out next week how terrible of a friend I might be. Uh, and you can, of course, follow me on my personal Facebook page too. Uh, and we have the Beginner's Guide to Wellness. That is a fantastic group that I'll be posting this up in right away. And uh, that's for all for personal development. It's a great place to grow. It's a great place to lean into. It's a great place to just be a fly on the wall until you're ready to start sharing your story, which I promise you impacts others. So don't be so selfish with it already. It matters. Okay. It's going to make a difference. Okay. And, um, the, yeah, the VIP page where you have to be 18 years or older and a feminine energy to learn about some sexual wellness and intimacy, uh, coming up, we'll be having a conversation fairly soon. I think about, uh, young teens and sexuality and how we can have conversations with them about that as, as, uh, that's been my experience recently this week in the house. So we'll talk about that later. And like I said, don't forget about cookie cooking, cooking and Chef Tone's Kitchen, where we're going to be doing breaded cauliflower, uh, buffalo cauliflower. It's delicious stuff for sure. And you can earn it for free with free delivery and everything. So all you got to do is tune in and share the video if you have a good time. All right. So I want to thank you all so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure to let you to the deep crevices of my mind where most humans should probably not go. As you just, it's a very intimate place to be. Okay. Uh -huh. And uh, I hope that you enjoy your extended weekend and it's happy, it's healthy, and that y'all wash your hands if you're getting together for sure. So happy Memorial Day weekend, guys. Bye-bye.